friends. It is so good to have each and every single one of you here with us tonight. And um, <clears throat> as you heard these precious people read the scripture text for tonight's message, it's found in John 19, 16 through 30. I have to have you, ask you, have you ever noticed there are certain phrases that mean a lot to someone when they hear these words? For example, has someone ever said this word to you? I love you. When you hear that word, it does something to you. Or maybe, will you forgive me after a, an intense fight or an argument or something like that where you realized you were at wrong and, and you said to that significant other, will you forgive me? Or maybe, maybe you remember the day that you got on one knee or maybe both knees hoping and praying she would say yes or maybe he now that it's 2022 and you heard someone say, will you marry me? When you hear those words, or maybe, congratulations, you're hired, welcome to McDonald's. No, I'm kidding. Or, you know, who knows what it might be. Or, or maybe you've heard someone say, you look good. You look good. Or maybe, I miss you. Or maybe you've heard someone say, I'll follow your advice. You know what? You're right. Or maybe someone has said to you, I was thinking about you, and the Lord called, called a remembrance of who you were in, in my mind, and I just thought I'd pray for you. Or maybe you've heard someone say to you, thank you for a delicious meal, or I don't know what it may, may have been that someone did for you, but you said thank you. And when people say those statements that I just mentioned to you, a lot of incredible things happen between those two people involved in that conversation. But there were three words I want us to focus on in verse 30 that Jesus said, and there were three powerful words that he said from the cross. It is finished. It is finished. Now, when Jesus said it is finished, something happened in the ears of the culture back in that time. Something happened in the minds of his enemies, and something developed in the heart of his followers that I want us to examine tonight real briefly before we receive communion. First of all, when people heard him say it is finished, in the ears of the culture, they thought Jesus was defeated. They thought Jesus was defeated when he said it is finished. Many, many people who heard him say that were very negative for what Jesus was saying when he said it is finished because in their minds it portrayed, or in their ears it portrayed that he was resigning, that he was giving up, that he was, that he was quitting, that he was throwing in the towel. And most of the times when we use the term finished, it can sound very defeating, for example, after watching someone on the news that, that happened to someone where they, where they worked and they got caught for embezzling money and you're watching it on the screen and so forth, and in your mind as he's exiting the company, you're saying, boy, that guy's career is finished. Or maybe, perhaps when somebody looks at their bank account and they see how their, their income is, is to pay in their bills month after month and they, they don't have enough income to pay their, their expenses and, and as they're writing that check or they're trying to figure out how to balance out their checkbook, they're saying, I'm, finan I'm finished financially because I can't pay my bills. Or maybe... There's a relationship with the spouse that has gone so far south that you look at where things are at in your relationship with that significant one and you say to yourself, wow, our marriage is finished. Or perhaps someone who has done something bad in this room or in, online or whatever it may be and their life might feel so far from God and because of what they've done, they think that God will never love them. They think that God will never accept them and they say to themselves, my life is finished. Hearing Jesus say it is finished made him in the minds of the culture who, who were at the cross think that Jesus looked weak. It made them think that he was defeated, especially as people hurled insults at Jesus saying things like, you said to destroy the temple and in three days you would raise it back up, yet you can't even save yourself. In the ears of the culture, it sounded like he was defeated. Second, when the religious leaders and those who hated Jesus heard him say it is finished, in the minds of his enemies, they thought, we're victors. We're the victorious ones. 
They were thrilled to know that Jesus was dead. They were thrilled to know that he was done. They were happy to see him on the cross. They, they felt a sense of relief. They, they, they felt a sense of satisfaction that Jesus was finished. They felt victorious knowing because he said those three words that his army of followers and disciples would now dissolve and fold and dismantle. The enemies of Jesus now felt that his teachings and his movement would fade like the morning fog. They could now go to sleep because they couldn't sleep for so long when Jesus of Nazareth walked on this earth. And they realized things are now finally going to go back to normal. Because Jesus not only was desecrated beyond human comprehension in the minds of the enemies, but he was defeated, he was humiliated, and now dead. And, that, and now they realize that their plans were successful and fulfilled in that moment when he said those three words. Not only did the religious leaders feel victorious, but so did Satan himself. They all felt a sense of relief knowing that the Messiah was dead, especially as they saw him dead on that cross on that Good Friday. But finally, when the followers of Christ heard those words that Jesus said on that old rugged cross, it is finished. It reminds me today and forevermore that as a Christian and in the hearts of his church, that it communicates these two simple words, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. When Jesus said those words, it is finished. It was not said to make him look defeated in the ears of his cult and the culture or, in the, in the, or for his enemies to feel victorious in their minds. But rather, those words echoed by Jesus were meant to be words of relief, of relief. Like when you finish your chores or a project at work, what do you usually say to yourself? It is finished. I remember when my wife and I and our family moved from Bakersfield here to San Diego seven years ago uh, around the, the summertime, and we packed up everything in that house. We cleaned it all up. We, we took everything. I, I remember closing that door in that house and saying, it was 111 that, that week too. It was crazy. I remember giving those keys to the realtor and saying, it's finished. We've all said that word before. Maybe when someone pays off that long-standing debt of, of their car or whatever it may be, and they write that last payment on their credit card that they, they've been working on paying off, and they're writing that final payment, they're saying it is finished. We've all said that. Or when someone graduates from high school or from college and they get their diploma or they get their degree, they usually say in their mind as they grab that diploma or that degree, it is finished. Or when someone has their last bout of chemo, they usually say as they ring that bell, my chemo treatment is finished. In other words, the phrase that is finished means that you have fulfilled your obligation. It means that you have fulfilled your mission. And church, I want to remind you, despite what the world says, despite what the haters say, despite what the skeptics say, despite what the doubters say tonight, Jesus ran the race. Jesus finished the course. He did the will of his Father in heaven, his proclamation to the world, his proclamation to his enemies, and his proclamation to us is very simple, mission accomplished. The task was completed. Nobody understood what his secret ambition was on this earth until he gave his life away as a ransom for the world to have a direct relationship with God the Father. He submitted to the will of his father from the beginning of his birth all the way to his death. From the womb to the tomb, John 17, 4 says, Jesus says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Even his last words, it is finished. His mission was accomplished. And what Jesus did on the, on the cross this Good Friday displays three things that we can remember from his death. And that is this, friends. The greatest act of obedience the greatest act of obedience by anyone happened on the cross. 
I want you to understand that this evening. Jesus was obedient all the way to his death so that we could have access to have a real relationship with God the Father and him as well. And he endured the cross and the shame because when he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. I want you to understand that this evening. That's what kept him focused on doing what he was doing when he said, even at the the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done to his Father before his death on the cross. Let me ask you something. Have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been stuck in the mud in your car or snow or or something happened or maybe there was something that happened in your life? I want you to understand, secondly, what Jesus did on that cross this Good Friday, we can remember from his death that the greatest act of redemption for everyone happened at the cross. Now, I asked you a question. I said, have you ever been stuck before? I remember a time when we took a bunch of youth to um, Snow Summit. It was my first time to learn about to learn to ski, and as many of you know, being Latino, sometimes people ask me or I ask them, "What does the NHL stand for?" Do you know what the NHL stands for? They say the non, or they say the National Hockey League, and I usually say to them, "It's the non-Hispanic league because you don't see a lot of Hispanics on ice. You don't see a lot of Hispanics on snow." So I remember we went skiing, and as we as I was going down the bunny slope, I I, I went into this ravine. You know, they got those big poles that that carry you up the the hill and so forth. Well, I ended up falling into one of those, and all you could see was skis up in the air. And I was stuck, and my youth leaders and youth looked at me as I was stuck, and they just started laughing at me. Nobody came to help poor old Pastor Troy out. They just thought it was one of the most comical things that they had ever seen, this Latino guy trying to learn how to snow, snow ski on the slopes. But I was stuck, and I was trying to get myself out, and I couldn't get myself out, and there I saw them. They weren't that far from me, maybe 15, 20 feet, just laughing at me. And I was like, oh, they just, you just wait till I get out of this, this, this pit, this miry pit. You know what it was. But thank God they came and helped me out and so forth. But I want you to understand, instead of being stuck in a pit, not being able to get out, Jesus came in like a loving parent and he entered that pit. And not only took us out of, out of it, but he took our place. He cleaned us up as we were removed from that pit. And that redemption is still available for us today. I don't know what you're stuck in tonight. I don't know if you're stuck in fear. I don't know if you're stuck in anxiety. I don't know what you're stuck in or whatever you're going through. But the greatest act of redemption for everyone happened on the cross. And finally, what Jesus did on the cross this Good Friday that we can remember from his death is that the greatest act of mercy, everyone say mercy. The greatest act of mercy by someone happened at the cross. It happened at the cross. The cross was not the demand of a bloodthirsty God, but rather it was an act of a merciful God. People spat on him. I want you to listen to me this evening. People spat on Jesus. They pulled his hair from his head. Have you ever brushed your hair and all of a sudden it got stuck and you pulled it a little bit and some of your hair came out and you're like, ah. Think about this for a moment. They pulled his hair from his head and the beard on his face. They made fun of him. Has someone ever made fun of you? They ridiculed his teaching. They beat him. They kicked him. They slapped him. They whipped him. They, they pressed a crown of, of thorns into his head as they were nailing him to the cross. And he said those words, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Talk about mercy. Jesus reminds us tonight from the cross that mercy and forgiveness comes from God's loving heart for each and every single one of us. As every head is bowed and eyes are closed in this sacred moment, I want to ask you a couple of questions or I want you to think about before we receive communion. I wonder in a crowd like tonight, whether live or online, is there an area of your life that you need his redemptive power to cleanse you? 
You need his redemptive power to cleanse you. Is there an area of your life that you need his forgiveness to set you free? Is there an area of your life that you need his mercy to deliver you? Do you need him to restore peace in your mind, love in your heart, joy in your body, grace in your soul? Friends, listen to me tonight. Jesus accomplished his mission. He paid it all. And all he wants to get in return tonight is having a real lasting relationship with you. He paid it all. He paid it all. And so tonight, I want to pray for you. And maybe as I mentioned some of those things, you said, Pastor, yes, that's an area of my life. Or, or yes, I, I need this. Or yes, that's where I'm at. Or maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you want to rededicate your life to him. Or maybe you need healing physically or, or emotionally or relationally or spiritually. Before we go into communion, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you wherever you may be. And maybe you're here tonight and you want to rededicate your life or give your life to the Lord right where you're at before we receive communion at this holy invitation. Just say where you're at. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus, I believe that you died on that cross. You rose from the grave three days later. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you said that prayer. or Maybe you're saying that prayer right now. You're, you're rededicating your life. Or you're saying for the first time, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I've never said yes to him. But tonight I realize that the greatest act of redemption happened at the cross. I realize that the greatest act of obedience happened at the cross. And I realize that the greatest act of mercy happened on the cross all for me. All for us. So Father, tonight... Maybe someone feels stuck. Maybe someone feels discouraged, alone. You know what that was like, Jesus. You experienced all those hardships and sufferings that we sometimes realize, Lord, you don't understand what I'm going through. But he does. Because when he was on the cross, what you're going through tonight was on his mind. And tonight he wants to get what he paid for in you. And so, Father, tonight, whether someone needs healing physically or they need a touch from you emotionally or they're, they're dealing with a relationship that's hanging by a thread or spiritually they're dry or, or, or they feel discouraged tonight, God, I pray that you'll do something within their hearts and their minds and their bodies and their souls as we partake of communion in just a moment. And so, Father, tonight, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that the mission was accomplished and that your mission continues in us and through us and that the best is yet to come. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within those who proclaim Jesus as their Lord. So, Father, whatever it is that my friends are going through tonight, be the glory and the lifter of their heads. And as they leave this place later on, Lord, may they leave different, transformed by the power of the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name. Amen.